Hey, Next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning into this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. You'll see a tab to vote right there on their homepage. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to nextonthetea.net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. This segment of the show is brought to you by our friends at TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw, check. Low fade, check. Bump and run, out of the sander flop shot, check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need it high over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X. The one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com for more information. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Folks, if you live in or anywhere near Virginia, West Virginia, or the Washington, D.C. area, go see Tom at Farmington Country Club in Charlottesville, Virginia, and let Tom help take your game to new heights. If you can't go see him in person, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing through the app. He can help get you dialed in that way as well. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can catch well over 150 free playing lessons now. And it's always an honor to have TP as part of the show. Hey, Tom, how are you, my friend? Chrissy. Boy! Best way to start a show ever. How are you, TP? I'm good, Chrissy boy. What's going on, big man? Uh, Have you played any golf this week? No, I played zero golf this week. What? I'm telling you. Uh, I know. It's no good. I got got issues, Tom. I got issues. I got to get, I got to get, I got to take care of my issues and get back out on the golf course. (laughs) You do have issues, no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd agree with that. That's what I love well, about you. I got, I got you beat that form. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Good to know. All right, TV, I want to get right into it tonight. We got a lot of things we need to cover. And I got to start mm-hmm. with getting your thoughts on the COVID issues that are starting to ramp back up and, and some players not wanting to get vaccinated. Your thoughts? Should the tour or organizations and other sports, like you know, NFL is getting ready to, to get kicked off as well. Do they need to take a hard line on this and require anyone who wants to play inside the ropes to get vaccinated, or does that infringe on the player's right to choose? What do you think? Well, I think you're walking a really fine line here, Chris. I mean, personally, I think I don't understand with what we've been through in the last 18 or 20 months of our lives why anybody wouldn't want to be vaccinated. But that's, that's my only, that's all my own personal opinion. I understand the right to choose, but now when your right to choose causes or endangers somebody alongside of you, well, that, that's a different issue. I just, I just got a, an email from a, a senior mini tour in Florida where the <laughs> commissioner of this little mini tour, who's, who's a PGA professional, basically sent out an email and said, guys, if you want to play, you have to be vaccinated because I'm not getting in the car with you if you're not. So if you don't like it, Go play somewhere else. That's a pretty hard line, but I I understand the point. I you know with with this with this new this new mutation, everything's going. On. As a matter of fact, it's just you know my, being vaccinated. My wife and I are both vaccinated. 
and she tested positive last week. Um, luckily, wow. symptoms were not too bad. She was sick for a couple of days, you know, kind of a severe flu-like thing. And basically what the doctor said to her, if she hadn't been vaccinated, it, it could have been, you know, not not a good situation. So the fact that she was really, you know, kept kept the infection and, and the conditions to a minimum. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the PGA Tour, professional sports, people back in arenas, people in closed quarters, you know, people playing football and tackling each other and being in each other's face and grill, I got to believe you got to take a hard line on that one. Tom, I want to get your thoughts on, on something else that has uh, been very topical lately, and that's pressure taking its toll on players. Matthew Wolf immediately comes to mind. He stepped away from the game for a while earlier this year. Um, but pressure has always been a part of any game, especially when you're at the top of a leaderboard, particularly then if it goes even higher when you're at the top of a leaderboard in a major. Talk about dealing with the pressure that comes with competing at the highest level. Listen, I don't want to belittle Matthew Wolf's situation. I don't know his exact condition or what's going on on the what's called the mental side of his existence as a professional athlete. But Chris, you know, I if anybody out there who feels like they're still coming to the pressures of being a professional athlete is too much for them, uh, if they want to trade places, I'd like to take their place tomorrow. Uh, you know, I my my whole life. As, as, a, as a youngster and as a college player, the dream was playing on the PGA Tour. Uh, got to the finals of two European tour schools, missed by one and three. Um, I, I remember the pressure coming down the stretch in both those tour schools, knowing I was pretty close. Um, I had trouble breathing. <laughs> but I'd I, I go, go do it tomorrow and maybe cut off my right arm to have a chance to do it again. Um, so I don't really understand you know, you get to that level, you, you, you knew what you were trying to do and achieve, and you had this goal your whole life, and you get there, and hey, listen, Chris, you're playing for millions of dollars on the greatest golf courses in the world, in the best conditions you can possibly ask for against the greatest players in the world. I don't think it's pressure, I think it's a privilege. You know, I don't quite understand. What, what did you expect it to be? An easy road? I'm not sure I'm, I'm swallowing all that stuff. So let's take that a half a step further. You're right. I mean, I know I've seen and heard Mr. Nicholas talk about that pressure, to your point, is a privilege. And that's that's sort of what you're playing for, right? You're playing for that pressure feeling because if you're not, then then, then why are you out there, right? I mean, we we know what it must feel like. We don't, I mean, I don't know what it feels like particular to to come down the stretch of a a Masters, a U.S. Open, an Open Championship, a PGA, a Players, heck, a regular tour event, knowing you have an opportunity to win and what that must feel like. But that is why you're there, right? I mean, isn't that the the ultimate goal? You want to be on 17 or 18 at Augusta National, tied for the lead, a one-stroke lead, you know, down one with the opportunity to win. And again, I'm not belittling Matthew Wolf or anybody else that is dealing with, um, uh, you know, some mental issues around, you know, being involved in the sport for many, many years and all that sort of thing. I, I guess what I'm trying to just really understand or make a point uh, that you made is that is why you're there. Ultimately, you want that pressure. And if that is something that once you've been in that arena that you decide 
boy, that I, I don't know that I can handle that. Is, isn't that time to want to go do something else? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is time to go do something else. You know, and if, if you want to, if any of those guys who feel that way on tour want to get a, you know, an idea about the other side, they should work in the pro shop for about 80 hours a week, folding shirts and dotting the scorecard, and then make a decision whether they want to go back on tour and play professional golf again. Um, you know, I, I played, you know, mini tours for eight years of my life, Chris, and chased it around the world. I played overseas quite a bit and played the South African tour. And that rush, every time you step on the first tee in a, in a quality event was, was what I always embraced and lived for. I mean, that was, that was, that was a high, a much higher than any drug could ever give you. So I, I embraced that feeling. I thought that was the greatest feeling you could possibly have. And plenty of, plenty of, Times I came down stretching the golf cart and couldn't breathe very well, and my throat was dry, and my hands were trembling. But that was that was what you wanted to do. That's what you were lived for. That's you. That's you. You embrace that feeling. So I have a hard time with these men and women today in different sports. Matthew is one that comes to mind, but there's other people heard about the last couple of weeks about how hard it is and how how pressure packed it. Yeah, well, that's that's what professional sports is. You know, if you're not signing up for that, then then go do something else. Tom, could could part of this be, and we've seen this sort of grow over the generations in golf, but now players are out there. That, well, they've got entourages. You've got sponsors. You've got you know not just the sponsors that you know the name on the golf bag and and your golf ball but your shirts and the names all over your shirts. These guys are becoming like NASCAR drivers because there's logos all over the place. So has the growth of the sport with respect to sponsors and this swing coach and that mental coach and all these other folks that are in their entourages now made it more difficult for the players and sort of expedited or, you know, uh, exponentially grew the amount of pressure that they're under, so it's different. Does that does that play into it at all, Chris? What do you think a top twenty player or a top a top fifty player gets paid when somebody flashes something on his left left breast on a shirt <laughs> or on on a millions? Shirt I'm sure. Yeah. So I mean, that that's pressure. So before I tee it up, before I make a cut, before I hit a shot up the first tee, before I have a three footer downhill left or right. I've got something on my left sleeve, something on my chest, something on my hat, you know, something on my ass, something on my golf bag, and and they're paying me, and a lot of different sponsors are paying me a lot of money for this. And so before I hit a shot, I'm basically financially secure. You know what, Chris? Bring it on. Give me, give me another. Turn the clock back forty years. Let's do this again. <laughs> Uh, let's switch gears a little bit, DP. Um, you're a member of the Titleist Advisory Board, and, and if you were in charge of the brand and you had a player like Bryson that had just recently said in a press oh, conference boy. that your driver sucked, and knowing how much time your team, your engineers had devoted to try to create the perfect driver for him, all those hours, all those dollars, all that R&D spent, and he's not a he's not a kid now. I mean, I, I don't know if some of us are you know, well, he's just a young kid. Well, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, he is. But guess what? He's about to turn 28 years old on September 16th. Would would you pull him aside, Tom, and calmly say to him, hey, you know what? 
I know you're frustrated. I know it was a tough round. I know you were still in sort of the heat of the moment when you went into the press conference. But remember, we're working hard for you, and together we're going to figure this thing out. Or do you pull them aside and you say, hey, take what? Take, take a look. Take one last look at that golf bag, because it's coming with me. Good luck finding a new equipment sponsor. Well, Chris, I don't want to put titles on the spot because I don't want to speak to titles. So I don't want to put Cobra on the spot who Bryson obviously represents. But let's say it was the Tom Patrick Golf Club Company, and we had that experience on worldwide TV during a major. And I had that player in the contract in my golf company. I can promise you, I can promise you, before you dotted the T's, dotted the I's and crossed the T's, I would have his agent on the phone, and I would tell him that the ship has now sailed. Have a nice day. Get lost. That is, I've never in our sport, and I'm 62 years old, I've never in our sport heard a player belittle his equipment company on worldwide TV during a major and blame the equipment for his ineptitude on the golf course on that occasion. You know what? He's gone. Tom, part of me feels like we have whiners like Bryson because they grew up getting participation trophies. We don't want little Billy to be upset that he didn't get a trophy, even though he finished last, so we have to give him a trophy too. Have we raised a generation of expectant people who feel like if they whine, they're going to get whatever they want? I don't think there's any doubt about it. When I first heard in the business at a club I previously worked at, uh, that had a pretty, that, that I had actually had taken part in building a pretty extensive junior program that the member committee attached to the junior program wanted to make sure that every kid that participated, and we're talking about a couple hundred kids now, had to leave with a trophy because they participated. I, I, I didn't quite understand what they were saying to me as a concept. I never heard of anything like that before at that time. This was back in the mid to early 90s. Um, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, it's funny, as I talk to parents of junior players, there's a clear division, pretty clear division between parents that feel like a participation trophy is a really good thing, and, and the other side of it, you know, it's kind of a 50-50. The other half of the parents feel like it's the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. You reward excellence, and the kids that don't win a trophy have to learn how to go play better and, and step up. And that's that's how the real world works, or used to work anyway. I think we I think we've done a real disservice, a real disservice to the generations behind you and I, and you're younger than me, and behind you, in allowing that kind of a mentality to evolve in this country. Tom, let's talk a little Brooks and Bryson in that situation. Fans were jeering Bryson again last weekend. Colin and Brooksy, of course. Could we see this rear its ugly head during the Ryder Cup if Bryson starts playing poorly, or even if he doesn't? Could our fans, the U.S. fans, join in with the European fans, who I'm sure are going to be calling him Brooksy trying to get in his head from the get-go? But could we have this become a situation where our fans and the European fans pair together, and that really gives the European team an advantage? Yeah, I, I I think we mentioned this a show or two ago too. We touched on this lightly because you know I I feel I actually really feel sorry for Steve Stricker to uh, to inherit this group of knuckleheads. You got you got you know Brooksy 
Brooksy's Brooksy. Bryson is clearly Bryson. And you throw Patrick Reed in the mix. Um, and, and then on the other side, you, you know guys like Poulter are going to wind them up. You, you know, they're going to wind the crowd up and stuff. And, and, and if I was Poulter, I'd be doing the same thing. Um, the only thing the, the U.S. team thank God for is that Trevi's not alive right now because I would really throw some gas on the fire. But um, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, Bryson is listen. Brooksy actually makes me laugh in some respects, although he's you know a little bit of a knucklehead. And Patrick Reed, I have no time for at all. But Bryson is an absolute child. He's a, he's a man child, and and you know he, he the fact that he reacts to any of this, and he and he. He makes it worse for himself, not talking to the press, the slow play situation, the thing with Cobra. I mean, can, can he bury himself any deeper, Chris? What about the guy, if, if you're strict, hey, who are you pairing him with? Because <laughs> whoever that guy is, right? That, that guy has got to deal with his playing partner. And, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Bryson's going to get a little upset. I think that, yeah, obviously the fans are going to be jeering him there as well, at least the European fans, if not our own. And now you've got to try to play alongside this guy, hearing all of that stuff, seeing how he's being affected by it. And and I would imagine it's got to start affecting your ability to play too, does it not? I, I got to believe that Stricker has already, I, I, mean, I, I have to believe Stricker's already gone around to all the potential candidates, both in terms of picks and guys who are already in on points on that team. And ask them their thoughts about playing with different people. And certainly Bryson is one of the names that would probably come up. And I have to believe that universally he's gotten a big fat no from everybody. I, I prefer not to, but if I have to for the team, I would. Uh, I'm sure some guys have said flat out, no, don't put me with him. Um, and we haven't even mentioned the slow play situation too, uh, which will be, right. you know, which could be, which could be extremely painful as his partner, right? Um, picture that in an alternate shot format. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, 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 the, the possibilities are absolutely endless as far as how big of a, a fiasco it would be. You know, Strix got his hands. Maybe, maybe the toughest coaching situation, captain situation leading into a Ryder Cup in the history of the Ryder Cup. Do you put he and Patrick Reed together? Are they sort of made for one another? They could both wear the black hat, right? You got the cheater and the guy everybody hates. I mean, that seems like maybe that's the perfect pairing. You 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 said it, Chris. Not me. I, I, what I would actually do is I'd put Patrick Reed and Bryson in a, on a raft and push it out into the Atlantic um, <laughs> during an incoming hurricane. That's what it should be put. But, but yeah, I mean that'd be, that'd be a dream pairing. What a dream pairing that is! Huh? Can you imagine? Does PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan need to get involved to put an end to this thing now? Do other players need to pull Brooks and Bryson aside to tell them to stop pushing this along? Or is this just part of the game now? Or does, like I say, does Monaghan need to get involved and say, you know what, enough's enough? No, no, I, Chris, you're absolutely right. I think that I think it, when it was really a Brooks-Bryson thing, it was kind of amusing. But And I was really surprised, I listened to Harris English comments, that he wasn't a little bit more uh, forthcoming, if you will, you know, in terms of his, you know, he had to be pretty pissed off with the whole situation. Uh, and, and, and listen, Bryson clearly affected him, clearly affected him in that, in that, in that back, on that back nine. Um, 
Yeah, I think Monahan does have to step in at some point now. It's just gotten out of hand. It's 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 now affecting. And the reason he's got to step in is it is like you said, is now affecting other players and their livelihoods. It's affecting their performance. It's affecting their ability to make a living. Uh, and and when it does that to players outside their little bubble of, of Brooks and Bryson, then then something has to be said or done. You know, so I I think it's about that time. Yeah, it's, it's gotten to that point now. TP, before I let you go, I um I saw a little something on Instagram. It looks like we might have a uh, a little uh, revival of the Tom Patry Instagram show. You know, we're going to do a little show on, I think it's the 15th. Am I right about that, Chris? I don't know. I, I think you are right uh, about I, that. It, 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 yeah, I've got uh, Martin Chuck, who I've developed a relationship with through, through social media. I don't know Martin personally, uh, but I have a lot of regard for him. Um, we're going to spend an hour together, I think on the 15th at 8 p.m. Um, a wonderfully talented guy. And one of the things I really want to talk to him a lot about, he had a very, very strong relationship with George Newsom, the incredible Canadian player who's, who Hogan called one of the best ball strikers he's ever seen. And, and Martin grew up with George Newton, Newton as a student and knew him very well until he passed away way too early at the age of 51 of cancer. Um, and Newton has always been a, a, a big time study of mine. Uh, an incredible ball striker, incredible ball striker, and and Martin, uh, you know, cut his teeth learning from from Newton. So I'm I'm really interested to talk about that. And Martin's also not only a great teacher and a great coach, but he's an inventor. Obviously, he came up with the torch striker ball and, and some other gadgets. So I, I, you know, just a really fascinating guy, guy very talented out in the uh, Phoenix Scottsdale area. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And Tom, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's uh, on your website or it's on social media. Yeah, Chris, it's, you know, just TomPatry.com and then all the obvious places, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then with right here with you, Chris, every other week at eight o'clock, uh, the man <laughs> next month. How about that? How about that podcast rating? How about that? Let's talk about that for a second, dude. You came from the ashes. And you're about to crack the top ten, <laughs> heading for the top of the mountain. You're the man. <laughs> I am very fortunate to have great guests like Tom Patry and my next oh, guest, stop. Allison Fillmore stop. and Nick Bradley, and all all the wonderful guests that I'm uh, privileged to get to talk to on a weekly basis. It's uh, you put just, guests just, like that out there, just, and and eventually people will dude, listen. Stop being so humble. You do a hell of a job. You're the best in the business. We love you. All of us love you. We talk about you behind your back. With only praise, you're the best, man. <laughs> the best. Uh, I love you, TP. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for coming back and being a part of the show again this week. Look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks in between now and then, my friend. Stay safe and all the best uh, to you and to your students. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me on, Chris. See you, Tom. That's the great Tom Patry. Again, you follow him online. TomPatry.com is his website, P-A-T-R-I. And at Tom Patrick Golf on Twitter and Instagram. And check out that YouTube page, folks. I'm telling you, well over 150 now. Free lessons for you to go out there and watch on his, uh, on his YouTube page. So go out there, check it out and subscribe while you're there.